Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Shoma and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of interviewing Emmanuel Rose. Emmanuel is a recognized expert in lead generation, branding, advertising, and the day-to-day operations of a digital agency. For over 25 years, Emmanuel has gone to work each day seeking to pioneer cutting-edge lead generation and marketing strategies for the benefit of his clients. Emmanuel is the CEO of Strategic eMarketing, which specializes in machine learning for lead generation. We're very excited to have Emmanuel on our show today. Welcome. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm glad to be here and have this conversation with you guys. Absolutely. So to start things off, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your background and your path to becoming the CEO of Strategic eMarketing? You bet. It's uh, the windy path that a lot of us have had where I was working for an electronics company when the LED light bulbs were first coming out. And I was a brand manager and product manager for uh, uh, for these light bulbs. And I had uh, had some targets for this company. I exceeded all the targets. And when it came for them to write me my bonus check, they reneged on, on my contract. And so I went in pretty much the next, the next week and just said, uh, I'm out of here. I took one more short term job, which I got fired from. I came in as the change agents to help turn some things around and they told me not to do anything for 90 days. So I got fired from that role and then I'm like, well, clearly I'm unmanageable and I better just figure this out for myself. That was about 13 years ago when social media was just really starting to to be on the, as an, a necessary activity and most people didn't understand it. So that's what I started my agency as a social media agency. Thanks for sharing that story. And it sounds like there were some some left turns and some curveballs mixed in there, but you landed uh, softly and you've been doing this for a while now. And so I want to get right into marketing. Let's say for all the listeners, if they just have a few hours a day, say they're working a full-time job and then they've got you know a few hours at night that they're starting their own brand or their own business, what is the one marketing activity that you would recommend to them to execute on? That would target that two-minute video once a week and then Gary V that thing into the 65 pieces of content. So everything starts as video and you know whether that's a, a product review or a success story from a client or some values clarification or, or a, a, a project that they're in the middle of and then use that video as the cornerstone for the rest of the content. I, I want to, uh, we glossed over that really quick. You made a Gary V a Gary V reference, uh, Gary V that that content. And so for the listeners, Gary whoever who doesn't know Gary V, his content is every 
everywhere and he repurposes it and he does everything. So can you dive into like, what did you mean by that? And, and explain and dig into that a little bit on repurposing things like that. So we take that, shoot the video, edit the video to be a standalone two minute for YouTube or for your website and then transcript the video so that it can then become a, so a short blog post and then go through and, and tease out key concepts or key quotes from that blog post and then build out and repurpose through repurpose.io or or some of the other AI tools that are out there to to post that content onto TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever uh, e- email campaign that you're you're working on so you're always using the now the video it used to be the blog post was the hub of content well now video is the hub of content in terms of shooting that first and then uh, and then repurposing that video in a variety of ways with using the tools that exist very nice what do you see on the horizon for marketing physical products i see the the need for small small business people that are are don't have massive budgets to really personalize and interject themselves into the marketing and to be that Kylie Jenner brand advocate as the primary brand advocate. And then to to dial in and continue to what was stratification to be clear about who is the ideal client profile that they're targeting with each piece of the campaign. So the really slice it down and speak directly to that person. We've got four generations that we're talking to now from still got greatest generation to disease. And you've got way different background listening for each one of those consumers. Let's say it is dog products, right? You got you got Fluffy who's who's going to the college dorm with the the 20 year old college student or you've got some guy who you know was in the korean war who's getting a, a collar for his germany short hair pointer you, you can't speak the same way to each of those target markets so it's about humanizing from the company side and then about stratifying correctly into the the, the prospect side i really like that i i really like that and, and that's something that i think on the front end of picking a physical product is picking something that you are passionate about we see that a lot in e-commerce where people will just pick a product for the sake of, of picking it and seems like it might sell well that's kind of their their basis and so i i, I really like that and, and picking something that you're passionate about is is really helpful so one follow-up on the the answer to that question there is kind of like segmenting you had mentioned kind of like you have you have four generations of, of people you're marketing to especially if you have a common product i've got this water bottle here pretty common right you could have high school students drinking the water bottle you could have you know, pretty much anybody in those four generations could be using a water bottle. And so how would you recommend breaking down or segmenting or breaking down? Would you recommend creating content for each of them? Would you recommend, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's always the push pull is how much uh, time and energy you have and, and budget you have, you know, just to stratify. I like to use Pareto's principle that, you know, go after the 80% first, you know, if it's a water bottle and it's, it's, it's something that's a, you know, a product that can go, but let's just say it's for gym and you have uh, the ability to sell into, into end users who are a gym, build up that campaign for the people who are most likely to spend the money on it, who care about it and pick the the messaging that that's critical in terms of it's not plastic. We're saving, you know, landfill space. Uh, you're getting to protect protect yourself from drinking fountains, whatever those things are. Build up that campaign entirely for that one ICP, that ideal client profile, and then 
start to take the next one that's the next biggest one and try to use as much of that content as you can already to just modify it slightly but still be on, on point. No, I like it. 80-20. That, that rule applies for so many things. And so I, I like that. It, like, hey, focus on the 80% of your you know your customer avatar and, and go for that. So out of all the companies that you've consulted for, have you observed any common threads and on the companies that are successful? Could be types of products they sell, types of customers they have, price point, different industry, different vertical. You notice any um, trends? For me in my career, what I've noticed is A, that it's the, the, the product or service that is just coming out, right? It's the it's the newest product or the newest iteration of it. And that there's still margin, there's big margin in it. So you're not having to price cut because the value of margin is, is as we know, is, is multiple. One is that it allows you to spend more money on marketing and advertising. Two, it allows you to continue to do your product development and research. And three, it allows you to take some profit and, and get some value. For instance, like when we were doing the LED light bulbs, those were $100 light bulbs, in, insane insane amount of money, but that was on the very beginning part of, of that LED light bulb curve. And so we could continue to refine engineering, ref- refine processing, get the certifications that we need versus selling CFL or incandescent light bulbs, which were one one hundredth of the cost. You might be able to sell them all day, but you're you're never going to be able to, to make a marginal difference. That's interesting. And I'm David's a numbers guy. <laughs> one of his favorite words is margin. So I'm going I'm to kick this one over to David for a follow-up. Yeah, my inner CPA is about to come out of the cage. So you talked about margin. And I think that that's something probably a lot of listeners are thinking about as they're launching a brand. And so when I look at Amazon, which is where Ken and I make a majority of our sales, there's a couple different categories. I'd say there's kind of the sub $20, there's that 20 to 50, 50 to 100, and then just 100 plus. There are advantages and disadvantages of each one of those price points. But if you were starting a new brand and you had no idea what you were going to launch, what would be some advice you would give as it relates to picking a price point to focus on? Well, we have to look first at if I didn't know what the product was, I had to at least pick a category to start to say, well, where's where's the innovation that's happening in a category? Let's say it is dog products and that it's leashes, right? And just the innovation of having the leash with the flashlight and the, the refuse bag holder, right? Like that's an innovation that people who walk their dog care about. And so I would look to take that innovative product and put it at the bottom of the mid category, right? Rather than the, the top of, of the low category. So that you have what we say value is based on importance, utility, and worth. And so you're looking to bring up as much value as you can with the innovation of the product to take care of as many of the human concerns at once at the best price possible. So it's kind of a mouthful, but does that... Is that- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and one thing that I want to follow up on is you had mentioned a little bit earlier that the ICP, the ideal client profile, and there are a lot of instances. In fact, Ken and I have a couple brands that we manage where us as brand owners is different from the customer avatar. Example comes to mind, we have some friends of the podcast that bought a brand that specializes in sewing. Neither one of these guys has ever run a sewing machine. And so when they're 
they are trying to find innovation in a space, they can't really pull on personal experience. And so where are some good spots to go to find that customer avatar and find that innovation in the space? So that's a great question. And it's really simple, which is you go, if you can, to your very best customers and you say, what's missing, weak, flawed, incomplete, and and what do you wish that we were doing for you? And and you just, A, create your innovation protocols and B, you're working in to upsell your best clients immediately. I like that. What's weak, what's flawed, and what's incomplete. And missing, yep. I like yeah. that. Jay Abraham talks about that too, right? He says we're on this consistent parade of humans going by us. And it's like, what are people doing before they're buying your service? And after they're buying your service or product. And so if we can start as much as possible to integrate small steps into that buying process, then that's where we're able to provide uh, value from innovation. So that we're minimizing the number of transactions a human has to take. So I want to kind of pivot into, we've got some, you know, Emmanuel, you're really good on uh, lead gen, right? And so for e-commerce, kind of think of lead generation as like qualified candidates coming to our site and making a purchase, right? You have hot leads, warm leads, cold leads. And so for, for e-commerce, what are, you, what are your recommendations for, for getting more leads to an e-commerce website? And then also not only get more leads, but maybe more qualified leads, more, you know, high intent shopper. Yeah, I, it's content, content, content. Especially with Jet Z they're going to do all their research online and they're self-educating. So A, it looks, you have to look at what your uh, buying intent keywords and latent semantic indexing words are so that you're building your content around buying versus just researching. That's that's number one. And then two is to build out your content into every form possible because, or at least the most likely forms that your ICP or your uh, your avatar is going to be consuming content and and getting as, as, as they're stepping them through the process Process. Important content areas are just general product information, absolutely FAQs, and then comparative into the marketplace and your c- competition, so that you're you're teeing all that up for them, and they can go and do that research from from your from your content rather than having to go oh, back out around it. Ever wonder what it's like to mix business with pleasure? Then welcome to Happy Hour Holidays, where every episode is a celebration of stories, insights, and laughter. Join us, Sean and Manny Fabre, as we chat with fascinating guests from all walks of life, sharing their stories, uncovering secrets to success, and of course, enjoying a good laugh over a drink or two. So if you love engaging stories and a touch of humor, hit subscribe and dive into Happy Hour Holidays. Your adventure starts now. That's, that's actually, we, we, we've been doing that in, in our companies for the last few months. So I'll share with the audience and with you, Emmanuel, is we've been doing content for probably going on three years now on our uh, websites, just generating content, blog, blog style content to get Google, Google organic traffic. And it's, it works. Over time, traffic builds up. And then recently, uh, probably a year ago, we, we turned on a tool that captures anonymous email leads. So we started running email marketing to these. And so two of the brands, decent sales, one of them, one of the brands has a larger email list, but conversion rates are super low. Mm-hmm. So we start getting looking into that. And, and it was exactly what you mentioned, buyer intent keywords. And so, so the strategy three years ago was, hey, let's get traffic. And now our strategy <laughs> is pivoting it. Well, now that we're wasting money on email marketing, those, those leads are not converting. Yeah. And so, and for example, for the audience, like let's stick with the water bottle. So we were writing articles on, let's say, can a water bottle be too big or do water bottles leak or what are water bottles made of versus the buyer intent keywords would be, 
where can I buy a the best water bottle? What are the top five water bottles to buy? Buyer intent keywords. And so I just wanted to kind of reiterate that how important that is in terms of e-commerce. And if you're getting leads, if you're purchasing leads like we are for emails or the organic traffic that's coming in is, is not going to look for something to buy, they're researching, they're in research mode. We don't want those on our e-commerce site. We want we want hot leads, like someone that's searching for that. And so that's that's excellent. And, and in terms of the content reference, creating more content. So keyword research is kind of one thing and then content, content around that. So what are some examples of like blog posts are one thing, but like video and stuff, what, what would you recommend in terms of that? The product review is awesome. And that, that kind of video content. Also, any kind of success stories or satisfied client stories that you can reference. You don't have to say the person's name and, and where they live, but just like, hey, this was a situation that happened. This is how we solved it. Or this person took my water bottle to Kilimanjaro and they drank tea at the top of the mountain. You know, it's a, it's altitude proof or some stories that add uh, flavor and some dimensionality to it so that people can start to dream themselves into your product for the experience they're looking for. Okay, perfect. So customer generated content or user generated content is kind of like helps helps the philosophy of, uh, of a shopper, a potential customer looking at that saying, hey, I could picture myself at the top of, uh, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro drinking tea or whatever. And so I like it. People get really hung up on this user generated content though. And then, you know, they're like, well, I need to get a form. I need to get their photo. I need to have their story, you know, all these things. And it's like, I just say, cut to the chase, get the summary, give a, a view of who that client is and what they're doing with it. And don't get hung up on, on the person, get hung up on the story and the narrative that you're trying to do to support your product. I want to explore this a little bit more because the user generated content, it is gold. I mean, at least that's what we found. However, getting it is something, you know, the customers already bought from us. We're very thankful for that. And so to make an additional ask, we never want to pester them. We never want to bother them, but we want this user generated content. And so in terms of making that process seamless, what are some ways that you've seen to kind of maximize or minimize that friction and maximize the amount of user generated content that you get? I think probably one of the best examples of UGC see right now is Leupold, the scope company and the optics company out of Portland, Oregon. And they, you know, they do this promotion every year where people apply to go and do a, a great, unique hunt. Uh, and so they've got to do like a, a brand story about Leupold as their application. And then, you know, whoever wins then does the does the trip and then that becomes more UGC. So the idea of, A, you've got to trade something, right? This is, a, it's transactional. And I think that's what 90 nine percent of companies don't get is that they're like hey provide us your feedback you know like why you're wasting my time that email just wasted my time and so it's got to be you know like a, a free shipping or uh get get this some kind of accessory or you know part of a competition right and then that that way they're doing these video reviews for you or they're filling out a form for you but they're getting some bump for it also I like that. And that contest is a great way. I think that's something we often pretty common ways are like either, yeah, free shipping or a free product or maybe even cash. But that giveaway of something kind of aspirational, something big like that example that you gave with Loophold, I think is a, is an excellent idea. And I, re I really like that. I'm glad we spent some time there. I think those are great ideas. And, and like David mentioned, we're doing, we kind of do that now. The accessories piece, I wrote a note down here. I'm going to try something else soon on, on that one. 
I, I have an idea there, but I, we, we usually do like a 25% off or, you know, I, I guess just increasing, increasing it until you get more conversions on that. But I do like the large, like bundle type thing of like, cause you can exchange products depending on your product, how much it's worth, right? Like a, yep. a loophole scope is hundreds of dollars or a trip is thousands of dollars, right? That's a huge, huge nugget there. And so for smaller brands, maybe bundle in a bunch of products together, having like a, a mega, like a mega bundle offering that something like that you think that would convert so i come from the philosophy that says hey i never want to give away or discount my primary product right because it to me is brand de- denigration and so i would approach it like maybe i would get something that's complimentary and give that away if i could if i could co-brand somebody else's product you know if i've got a a, a companion product so then a you're kind of sharing you know becomes you're sharing your customer list you have a chance to then share their customer list and you could give away stuff cross pollinate that way. But I don't like discounts. I think that's, don't want to offend anybody, I think that's lazy marketing when you're just discounting because A, they've already bought something from you. They're through that buying cycle, right? And maybe in the future they remember, most likely they 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 don't. And so it's of zero value. So it has to be something that is the next step. You know, like if it's, if we go back to water bottles, you know, maybe it's uh, ice cubes shaped like unicorns or, you know, the molds or, or something, right? you know, that is, a, is a, an add-on to it versus your product. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. One question you had mentioned earlier, like the four generations. And so like different marketing gaps fit each. Where does blogging fit in? Does is blogging still work? Do you still advise on it? And Absolutely. It's critical, not just for, not just for people to self-educate because some people are, are visual. They like to read and they, they prefer reading over video, but obviously with the way SEO works, we still have to be layering on content onto our website as frequently as possible. Like we were talking about, you want to build it around buying keywords. You want to understand latent semantic indexing LSIs, and you want to base it on your video content so that you are streamlining your workflow. All right. So in terms of marketing to generations. You had mentioned the example of a Gen Z versus somebody who had been in the Korean War. Let's go through these. What what are some some ways that as we're targeting each specific generation, what are some things that work and what are some things that don't work? Yeah, it's great. I mean, the Zs are, they're the special beasts that have been born on the internet. They don't know a day without computers or smartphones or internet. So they've seen every, every lame marketing trick that's ever been forced upon us. You have to be authentic. You have to really be transparent and show what you believe in and match what they believe in. Or you have to have great user-generated content to, to support what you're claiming is is accurate. So those that's the kind of thumbnail for Z's. Millennials all think they're special. So you got to trigger trigger this, this specialness psychology. They're also obviously very technically savvy and they do they love to do their, their own research also. I think it's like 60% of B2B buyers now are millennials. And so that really changed B2B be marketing because the is which is my my age group we were still people that would pick up a phone and talk to a sales rep in the b2b world where the millennials will go and do that research online so it creates that mandate for all businesses whether you're b2b or b2c to really put an effort into into blogging and faqs and building the, these kind of funnels and then also to get reviews right so if you're an accountant you still have to have a google page and get reviews that are positive because you might have a millennial assistant that's doing the research for somebody to, to do that work. And then the boomers, they have a little bit different thing. They also think that they're the most unique and the most correct. And so they're 
their triggers is more about taking care of family, grandkids at this point and, and how they can leave a legacy. Those are good triggers. Plus they got to now be worried about their retirement and how much money is enough and all those things. Who do you think is the easiest to market to? I would say there is nothing easy about marketing. Nice. What an answer. <laughs> oh man, the easiest. You know, if you have, if you have a cutting edge product that's in short supply, that's the easiest marketing, right? So that's why I love, I like the innovation. I like to find whatever is the farthest out on the product curve. People are less price sensitive and that that's where the easy comes from, from very innovative, very new. You've mentioned that a couple times and we've talked about engaging with customers. I've also taken note that you've mentioned a couple AI tools, a millennial who does a lot of research on the internet. Yeah. Are there any tools that you would suggest for finding that innovation within a market in addition to talking to customers? Any of the, you know, any of the chat or BARD, you can use any of those equally. It will help to guide your process. It would Those would also help you to ask good questions of your clients and your past clients. Also help you to develop content, a content calendar. But yeah, what I see with the generative AI right now is that it's really good if you want to know market standard, you want current reality. It's it's beautiful for that. It's the, it's the Encyclopedia Britannica that we all wish we had when we were 10, right? Maybe not you guys. I still had Encyclopedia Britannica. So it's very good with current reality with what it is today. So it'll help you to form the questions that you need to ask the humans for what's coming forward. I think that's how I'd, I'd tell you, David. All right. Can you tell us a little bit more about strategic e-marketing and what type of clients you like to work with? So we're a full service digital agency, a lot of work on, on websites and we do content marketing and LinkedIn marketing and uh, lead generation for, for B2B clients that are usually manufacturers, domestic manufacturers. And then uh, on the B2C side, we do a lot of health and fitness. So health clubs, personal training studios. The clients that I like to work with are the ones that just say, here's my budget. Here's how many leads I need. Let's meet in a month. Very nice. I've got, my team's got the walking papers. We can, we can go and make, build a black box to, to get the output that is, is leads and then they can manage the sales. And David, do we want to cover anything else before we get into the fire round? No, let's get to it. All right. So Emmanuel, we, we run all of our guests through what's called a fire round. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite book? Favorite book is Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Excellent. What are your hobbies? Fly fishing, backpacking, bird hunting. Nice. Outdoorsman. I love it. What is one thing that you do not miss about working for the man? His schedule. All right. Last one. What do you think sets apart successful entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Ready, fire, aim, and repeat as needed. And being willing to make mistakes and pick yourself up and, and try another way. All right, Emmanuel. For all of our listeners that may be interested in working with you or strategic e-marketing, what is the best way to get in touch? On the web at emmanuelrose.com or strategicemarketing.com. Contacts there. Yeah. Awesome. We will post links to both of those in the show notes. Emmanuel, I want to thank you for being a guest on the Firing the Man podcast, and we're looking forward to staying in touch. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A dot com, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. 
How much money does Amazon owe you?